The Unshackled Waves, episode 91. Broadcasting from Melbourne, Australia, this is The Unshackled Waves with Tim Wills. Brought to you by theunshackled.net. Hello everyone, great to have your company. Now, one ongoing geopolitical crisis that we have commented on both on this show and on our rundown blog is that of the increasing tensions between North Korea and the United States and its allies. Uh, North Korea has really taken its nuclear weapons program to the next level with the testing of a number of intercontinental ballistic missiles, including two that went over the Japanese island of Hokkaido, which triggered Japan's missile uh, warning system. Uh, U.S. President Donald Trump has not been afraid both publicly and on Twitter to use strong language against North Korea, that the first was that they would be met with fire and fury and, frankly, power, the likes of which the world had never seen before. And then at the United Nations, he stated he might have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Uh, The usual anti-Trump crowd has blamed him for the heightening tensions, uh, but this has been brewing this North Korean crisis for the past 20 years, and there are a lot of factors that have been at play that has led up to this point. So to explore the situation in detail, we thought we'd invite back on the show Unshackled contributor and geopolitical analyst Steel Archer uh, for another In Focus show. Steel, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks Tim for having me on and uh, thanks for having me on the Unshackled uh, podcast. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have you back. We always like it when people like to come back on the show. No, it's fantastic. Uh, the Unshackled is a is a is a great uh, little news outlet down there in Australia. So yes, no, thank you, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to be back. Now, long-time observers of uh, global geopolitics have long been aware of uh, North Korea's nuclear ambitions. Uh, can you give an overview of North Korea's actions up to this point? Sure, no problem. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, long-time observers have 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 been. Uh, have had this awareness. But if you look at North Korea's historical, uh, you know, uh, position, its history, it's it's been a, a, an independent kingdom for a long, long time. So it's only recently in the last uh, century, uh, the last century, of course, being the, the most tumultuous time for North Korea um, uh, since the occupation of, um, of Japan in 1905 after the uh, Russo-Japanese War. So that was the really upsetting, that war after that war and the Japanese occupation was the really upsetting factor for North Korea that's really begun the modernization of, of what we know as the Korean Peninsula um, dispute as, as we see it. Um, so Japan occupied that country for five years um, and uh, and yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been a problem since then. So following World War II, which is edging in now into modern history, um, career as we uh, as we know was split uh, with the northern half coming under the Soviet-sponsored communist control. Um, this was backed up by uh, you know uh, the, Russia or, or the USSR, and uh, in uh, fifty to fifty three. Uh, the U.S.-backed Republic of Korea uh, was was now uh, splitting off from Northern Korea, uh, from North Korea, or well, Northern Korea, um, in that time, um, because yeah. So it, the nor- Northern uh, the DPRK, so the Democratic People's 
public career, uh, ha- was founded by uh, President Kim Il Sung, uh, Kim Sung Two the second. And Kim Sung Two was uh, a very important figure in modern history in the modern career because he he not only founded uh, modern North Korea but he also founded the Kim Dynasty, the uh, the family dynasty that would carry up until now what we know as this continuing line of of political dominance in that country. Um, so uh, you know he he begin, he adopted this policy of self reliance. He adopted this policy of checking North Korea against all external forces, whether that be China, whether that be Japan, whether it be South Korea, United States, Russia, or USSR at that time. Um, and uh, you know he used a lot of propaganda, a lot of hate, uh, uh, demonization politics to sort of consolidate power uh, for himself and his family. Um, so playing on from that, we hit the 60s, and the 60s is where it really begins because the 60s is where you start to get nuclear weapons coming into play, which takes us up to the current um, strategic uh, issues. Um, and so the, the 60s is when uh, uh, the 60s is when all of the geographic problems that North Korea faces they they sort of outsource these problems to nuclear weapons. And nuclear weapons for, for North Korea became a multi-purpose uh, instrument for the regime's security. Um, they, 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 the, 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 the DPRK government sort of used these goals uh, for deter- well, nu- these, uh, these nuclear weapons to deter adversaries uh, with its arsenal. Or generating revenue was another one um, from nuclear commerce. Uh, you know, we had, we've had in the recent... Um, in recent times, since 2008, a lot of uh, bilateral relations between the DPRK and and Syria, for example, especially with centrifuges and things like that, um, and uh, creating a, a sort of a North Korean version of, you know, uh, President D. 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 White Eisenhower's new look policy, which was very much linked in with the Monroe Doctrine for the policy geeks out there who know that the Monroe Doctrine was all about European colonization in the Americas, and America wanted to be the have a monopoly on that. Well, the DPRK wanted the sort of same same deal uh, in that sense. So you know we, we've had uh, we've had a, this continually uh, uh, contracting North Korea. It's it's total separation from the outside world um, up till now. You know Kim Kim um, Kim the second. Um, he 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 died, and uh, you know um, in, in 1994, and Kim Un was publicly unveiled as a father's successor in, in 2010. This is getting up to where we are. Um, following Kim Jong Un's uh, death, um, we we've seen a spat of uh, of uh, you know ICBM uh, ICBM. Um, attempted uh, submarine ballistic missile um, uh, uh, cases and things like that, but it's just a, it's just a, an increased uh, increased efforts to meet the goal of improving you know convention uh, their, their 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 nuclear ambitions. Um, and so I see I, what I've seen is I've seen up to this point I've seen an increasingly 
isolated North Korea um, and, and an increasingly hostile world towards an increasing. It's like this this cycle of um, of, of they can't escape from their history, uh, and, and so they have been further and further putting more and more uh, energy into these and more and more resources into into bolstering their nuclear capabilities, and that's what the world is worried about. Well, the first North Korean uh, nuclear crisis was back in, I believe, 1994 when Bill Clinton was president. And uh, it's also a pro- probably uh, played a part in uh, North Korea's nuclear ambition as the fact that yeah, the Soviet Union collapsed in uh, 1991, which meant that uh, a lot of uh, their trade uh, was cut off and there, there was an economic... well. You wouldn't say downturn, but an economic collapse in the early 90s in North Korea as well that uh, really put its survival at stake. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So uh, economics comes into this in a huge, uh, in a huge fashion. Um, the, 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 the economy has been mismanaged from day one. Um, they have no, um, you know, no industrial, uh, no industrial policy. Um, the world has slowly been choking them off. Um, that's not a fair. That's not a fair point because they were. The, the world has been uh, has adopted a strategic patience, sort of a, a trying to get them to trade. There's been lots of um, deals worked out with um, with the north and south for in, industrial zones and things like that. Um, uh, you know, um, they've they've tried to build religions around unity. Um, uh, through the uh, through the unification church and stuff like this, so they've tried they've tried a whole a b- whole bunch of strategies to get these two countries working together, and econ- the eco- economics of it, yeah, is is is, is vital. But um, I think that the the leaders, the Kim family, has just sort of rode these out. Um, you know, um, they they you know they, they are the, one of the least open economies in the world and they do you know they face chronic food shortages economic problems uh, you know it, yeah i would agree that that this but but in in saying that they 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 used they used those crises to to attain more uh concessions from the outside world to bolster their nuclear uh ambitions and and nuclear projects in the short run anyway over the last 20 years or so so you know, um, it's it's a double sword. Uh, this 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 uh, you know um, the economy because they've used it. They've used their people as a bargaining chip in a way um, to to gain concessions from the outside world. Um, and so it's kind of like it's kind of like if they have a disaster, they use it appropriately. If they don't have a disaster, well. Then they have more money to, for their nuclear ambitions. So it's sort of this. Also, they're using the economy and their civilians as a bargaining chip on that side. Whenever North Korea's nuclear program has uh, flared up since it, uh, as we mentioned, began in the early '90s, there's always been you know outrage from the international community. Yet we're still in this uh, situation, which begs the question: I mean, why have you know world leaders and particularly U.S. presidents allowed this situation to fester? That's a very interesting question, and I, I, I think I think it's one we're all thinking about now. Um, because we all kind of want to go back to the days of uh, of 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 quote unquote strategic patience, you know. Um, 
China, China, I think China couldn't do anything. Um, China in, in, since the fifties, um, has been developing its own, uh, its own legs. Um, the great leap forward is, was a disaster and, 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 and China has been dealing with a lot of internal political issues and its own building up its own, uh, its own, uh, base for internal you know internal harmonization um uh, china has been uh, subject to multiple uh, uh, multiple um catastrophes and civil wars and internal struggles and it got eaten out by the uh, first opium war and the second opium war in the 1800s and they got eaten out again by european colonialization only to just start to recover and then again got invaded by japan so china China is, hasn't had anything, hasn't had any ability or any legs to uh, to solve the crisis on its own. So China, China can be ruled out um, f- fairly fairly quickly. Um, but also, China has kind of agreed and used the uh, this ongoing peninsula battle between the north and south um, as a as a way to uh, stop um, you know the United States going right up to the border of China. Um, the United States can only go up as far as South Korea, and you know, and then they're stopped by North Korea as a, as a buffer state. So China has had no will to uh, to to fix this. So China has, you know, we we there has been talk in, in the intelligence community and things that China has been leaking, uh, you know, you know, vital strategic uh, information, especially on H bombs and things. The old government, especially. Um, uh, to North Korea to help them out, to give them assistance in this standoff. Um, now, uh, South Korea has allowed this to go on because they've been they've essentially outpaced the, uh, the North so quickly um, that they've had they, they haven't had an appetite for war. There's been no appetite for war. Plus, they had to go through the war last last time, and so they they have been sort of getting rich off peace. So they had no appetite for war. Um, Japan has also had no appetite for war. Japan has been under a peace doctrine under its constitution, Article 9, and it and also under the it's been under the American thumb. And also they kind of benefit from a standoff on the Korean Peninsula because, you know, if you put your real politic uh, glasses on, the South Koreans are actually a threat to Japan in the future. So, you know, this benefits Japan. America has done nothing about it because of because they've been one. North Korea was never really a, a threat, conventional threat and or nuclear threat in the past. So, you know, um, it would almost sort of be akin to a war crime if they did go in and invade this sort of very underfunded corrupt country for no no real strategic gain i I mean it would just be massacre in a sort of a way but the other reason is because they have just been so busy on all the other fronts throughout the um 20th century they were battling the russians in the soviet in the cold war um they were they were busy uh uh, you know, in South America, they were busy in the Middle East, uh, you know, with Iraq. They were busy in Afghanistan. They were busy with Zika. They were busy, uh, you know, uh, building alliances in Europe and things like this. And, and 
so Americans have sort of been <laughs> had a focus away from Asia. Um, and you sort of saw this come back a little bit with Obama's pivot to Asia strategy, where he pushed a few more assets here and there over to Asia. It wasn't a real success. Um, uh, you know, Trump's been much more uh, aggressive on, on Asia. Um, but, yeah, you, you've seen a sort of a, a busyness in other sections of the world by the United States, especially, you know, focusing on things like Iran. Um, um, uh, you, you know, so so North Korea just hasn't been near the top of the list of priorities. It's been um, far, you know, even now it's 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 threat is a little over exaggerated because you know because of the uh, uh, because of the new Trump doctrine, but at the same time it's it's just been not near the top of the uh, agenda. And and they also North Korea never posed a threat to the trade between uh, the United States and Japan, the United States and South Korea, or the United States and China. So now that that's starting to come into play, now that they're starting to make threats towards you know. Uh, U.S. territories and things like Guam, uh, maybe, maybe Arkansas, maybe, maybe Alaska. They're not really sure if the uh, the missiles can get there or not. Um, this is why you've sort of seen a, a, a non-focus by the United States on North Korea. It's just it just hasn't been a high priority. It just hasn't it hasn't impacted anything on 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 uh, on the United States' agenda. Um, it doesn't impact your petrodollar cycle. It has nothing to do with trade. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, empire expansion. Uh, anything. It, it's not. It's not a high priority. It's only now that we're really starting to see it lift up on that on that priority list. Uh, Donald Trump has been blamed for the increasing tensions with his rhetoric and tweets. I mean, is this a fair criticism? I think it is a fair criticism. I think it is a fair criticism um, simply because uh, we didn't see this sort of uh, aggressiveness by former presidents. Now, Obama Obama obviously launched a few wars in his time, Libya and, and Syria and uh, and some other ones. He, 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 he uh, didn't, you know, he had aggressive rhetoric as well. Um, it's just we've never really seen aggressive rhetoric in Asia. So all of a sudden it shifts our dynamics as to what people concentrate on. So, you know, uh, Bush uh, invading Iraq, there, was there aggressive rhetoric between the uh, United States and Iraq? Yes, definitely there was, you know, the WMDs and anthrax and all sorts of things. So I actually think this is a fair criticism, and I think it's part of Trump's game to, to, to play it tough. Um, and you've seen, uh, you know, fire and fury, that quote, or, you know, goes on the um, uh, at the UN, he calls him rocket man. So I think this is a fair, uh, a fair, uh, you know, this is a fair criticism. Absolutely. Um, I think it's part of his plan. It's not part of Madison Tillerson's plan. Um, you know, Madison Tillerson uh, are very much on the on the on the train of. Uh, you know, okay, we'll end strategic, uh, we'll land, you know, strategic uh, patience, but we're going to hold Pyongyang to account. You know, we're going to uh, we're going to push forward uh, and and get rid of these nuclear ballistic missiles somehow. But Trump is definitely uh, definitely pushing on a on a on a harder note. He's a bit of a real estate man, and uh, and he's trying to get his way. So I think it actually is a fair criticism. Um, 
But at the same time, on the counter of that, we have seen a few more rocket launches than, than normal coming out of North Korea. And, and, and North Korea has been specifically provocative because they're doing it on dates like, uh, you know, the American Independence Day celebrations and things like that. So there's, there's toying on both sides. Um, there's toying on both sides. But, um, yes, I, would think, I think your initial question, yes. Uh, but, but like we said before, this situation has been festering for uh, an, a number of years. So it's not like all of a sudden, you know, Donald Trump becomes president and North Korea decides, yeah, we're just going to launch a whole heap of missiles. No, no, but 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 the world never really um, needed to take note because, you know, they weren't threatening U.S. territories before. There was only the usual, you know, we'll threaten South Korea, we'll threaten Japan, uh, you know, there wasn't this, you know, let's hit America, let's hit America, let's hit America sort of, um, you know, sort of sort of bullying in, in, in effect. Um, so, no, there's definitely there's definitely play on both sides. Um, but, you know, you, you didn't really see Obama or Bush address the issue. Um, they were they were more concerned about uh, other issues, especially in the Middle East. Um, and especially domestic issues like Obamacare and stuff. But, um, no, I, I just think I think that Trump is ramping it up and he's ramping it up on purpose because he wants to sort out the, the problem. Um, I don't think that that's, a, that's an unfair statement. Um, I think he's talking to the generals. I think he's trying to get his way, trying to push the generals to do their job. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's an unfair assessment, but – we haven't really seen this sort of aggressiveness from Korea before, specifically towards the United States, definitely towards Asia in general, especially towards Japan and South Korea, but not specifically towards the United States to this sort of extent, you know. Uh, would you also say uh, Kim Jong-un is is definitely more uh, uh, unpredictable and uh, uh, the word would also also be, um, you know, more uh, outrageous than his father or grandfather, uh, given that, you know, he's, um, you know, executed his uh, uncle. Uh, there, there seems to be, you know, a lot more uh, strange behaviour than we have seen in the past. Well, I think, I think you're getting into... Um, I think you're getting into the idea that he's a, he thinks of himself more as a god uh, than Kim Il-sung. So Kim Il-sung actually had to fight to found the regime. He had to fight to found the dynasty. And, and when you're that, you usually come from the people and usually come from a, a position where you respect the doctrines. Um, Kim Jong-il, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, he, um, he was, you know, the son of, so he, he, he would have had a transitional uh, phase uh, between his father and him, um, you know, and seen and seen some tough things. Whereas Kim Jong Un, um, it feels like he's just been born into a palace, and he just feels like a god in a way. I think he he's having a very good life at the moment. He's having a, a, a quite a quote unquote fun life, playing god, and um, and uh, you know, k- killing your uncle and murdering your uncle uh, for political gain is a is a is a ruthless tactic. Nonetheless, but it's something uh, the mind of someone who who ha- has a very uh, bloated sense of self would do. Um, and I don't think this is actually uh, this human psychology comes into this. I think 
I think he may be a little more reckless, but he also enjoys his life. He also likes his life, and he's trying to balance, uh, you know, he's trying to balance North Korea's geographic constraints with, you know, tactics that are aggressive enough to get concessions from 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 the exterior, from the outside world, um, you know. So I think I think that Kim Jong Un, yeah, maybe he's a little. Uh, He's definitely um, a little irrational, a little aggressive, but at the same time, he's very well educated from uh, Switzerland, and he, he obviously knows the game. Um, he, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he, he could, there, there's multiple ways of looking at North Korea. You know, is he a madman, a bad man, a good man, a, a, a cautious, a strategic, uh, a strategic thinker? Um, it's kind of hard to tell. But from what I calculate and what I can see, he's playing. Um, he's a he's a godlike. Uh, he has a godlike. Uh, he thinks of himself as a god, and this is why he looks irrational to the outside world. But to himself, I think, I think he thinks he's doing a some very big strategic play. Um, and and it, there's there's a yeah there's arguments in both of those. And we've talked about already that uh, China sees North Korea as a uh, strategic uh, state, as a buffer between them and the United States. But why are they willing to, you know, basically see 23 million people, you know, impoverished, you know, starving, you know, just for some, you know, geopolitical uh, tactics? I mean, you know, why, what, what are they so afraid of that, you know, because... South Korea at the moment, I mean, it's still an independent sovereign state. It, it's, you know, one of the richest countries in the world, certainly not a, a U.S. puppet. So why, why this, you know, paranoia about uh, the U.S., you know, coming up to their border? Well, I, I, I think for China, it's a very logical um, uh, uh, fear, very rational fear to have the, US, the United States right on your border. Um, historically, it's never been... Um, you know, the, the United States will then have a foothold into Asia, into the into mainland Asia, which it doesn't have at the moment. Um, you know, Russia only goes down as far as Vladivostok, uh, which, again, they took from the uh, the Opium Wars. Um, you know, South Korea, although it's a uh, determined ally, it, it's an ally that could flip. It's an ally that could um, become independent, become sovereign, do its own thing. Uh, have strife with uh, Japan, for example. Uh, we, we don't know. Um, at the moment, it, it all seems rosy, but we don't know what South Korea could do in the future. Um, and so, you know, having a U.S. territory um, with U.S. laws and uh, and things on in Asia would actually uh, be a huge uh, annoyance for China forever, forevermore. Um, it's just, it's... Uh, it, um, China doesn't feel any responsibility for North Korean people. Um, it's a homogenous people. It's not Chinese people. Uh, they don't feel any sort of why should they care what happens to North Korean people within North Korea? What they care about is North Korea buffering against, you know, South Korea and Japan and the United States, uh, for, you know, especially onto the mainland of Manchuria. Um because if you look historically, where have all the invasions been? Well, they've always been through North Korea uh, to Manchuria and then sweep down through Beijing and then down, right? So 
um, you know, having this wall of people, or this wall, this 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 irrational state on their border, has been up until now a good deterrent. Uh, um, again, they don't feel any obligation to those people, and that's why they don't want a war at the moment. Because if those people flood back into China, then all of a sudden they have to take care of them, or or whatever. Um, whatever China decides to do with those people. But one would assume that they would take care of them, but they don't want to. They don't have any obligations. So for now, it's just like a huge playpen um, that it could just, hold, you know, bottle these people up into and, and use them as that buffer. Um, China doesn't feel any obligation to these people, only as strategic assets. How present is the the nuclear threat coming from North Korea? I mean, are millions of lives at risk in South Korea and Japan or even in the United States? Well, that's an interesting question, uh, Tim. Uh, I think the uh, the nuclear question is 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 semi irrelevant for South Korea because what I worry more about in terms of South Korea is I worry about the DMZ and the amount of artillery shells, uh, artillery that faces towards Seoul. Now, if that artillery, that old Soviet artillery, fires a, fires a couple of volleys, uh, Seoul could be heavily damaged or destroyed. And you're talking a, 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 a lot of people in that, in, that, in that area. Could North Korea then capture Seoul after such a bombardment? Probably not. There probably wouldn't be that much to capture. So I think the more, more of the worry for South Korea is actually the conventional artillery. Um, for uh, for Japan, um, it's been proven that uh, you know we can get a ICBM. Uh, well, you know uh, they're working on sub- submarine ballistic missiles. They're actually building um, barges and things to try and get them out there. But we 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 can get uh, some sort of nuclear weapon onto Japan Japanese soil uh, when we when they run these tests where these uh, where these um, rockets fly over Japan, over the island, and into uh, the Sea of Japan and things like that, um, they're actually going with – they're actually using a reduced payload, not the militarized weapons. So just take that into account that these are not these are not uh, weighted according to – I mean, there's lots of different things. There's trajectory, but they're not actually weighted towards uh, a full militarized nuclear weapon, which – some people think they have eight of. Some people they think they have zero. Um, they're not quite sure. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, uh, um, uh, United States, um, Guam is a little island. It's pretty hard to hit. You have to be pretty precise. Uh, the the rocket has to be pretty uh, pretty bang on. And I'm not sure if North Korea has the capabilities of hitting. Uh, you know they've got they've got multiple um, they've got multiple uh, missile systems, but um, I'm not sure if they actually have the capability of hitting hitting them precisely. But the the uh, the, the issue is the the radiation, of course. So once you head out with radiation and weather patterns and things like that, then you you have the uh, the threat of millions of lives. Um, you know contamination of the oceans, contaminations of fish stocks and things like that. Um, South Korea is definitely a threat from nu- uh, from conventional weapons. Japan is a threat from uh, 
from nuclear weapons for sure. Obviously, South Korea is a threat from nuclear weapons too, but I, I think the conventional artillery is a, is a far more uh, prominent and 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 exact uh, issue. Uh, the United States, um, maybe, maybe not. Um, uh, the, I think you know, could they hit Hawaii? Yeah, maybe. Um, could they hit it with a with a miniaturized nuke? Maybe. Um, the the they they have proven to be able to fire in directions, but they don't really. We don't really know where they're aiming. So if they're where they're landing, is that where they're aiming? We don't know, um, and scientists just don't know that. Um, what is interesting though is is we'll have to be watching the uh, non-proliferation treaties because the uh, the non-proliferation treaties will. Um, Will will be sort of where the action takes place. I mean, um, the the non-proliferation treaty has been ratified, for example, by the United States and Russia, and China has acceded to it, but India and Pakistan have uh, have not, and North Korea has withdrawn from it. So, you know, you've got all these new uh, UN sanctions uh, by Nikki Haley pu- getting pushed through, uh, China's uh, you know pushing them up there. But you know, will will we see North Korea come back on board with these um, under that collapsing economy that we talked about before? Um, I, I think I think I think I think the nuclear issue is a is a big issue, yeah. Um, but I think we'll have to see uh, we'll have to see what 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 happens in the future because their their, their miniaturization uh, techniques are, uh, have not been yet perfected. Well, I think with regards to non-proliferation treaties, I mean, they're a piece of paper at the end of the day. I mean, they're pretty worthless when it comes to conflicts uh, such as this. Uh, but I also, uh, because there's been some, uh, the reason I asked the question, there's been some hysterical, you know, people in the media saying we're on the brink of, you know, nuclear war, but most of us are sort of just going on as a, of our lives as you know, normal. Uh, you know, we see, you know, North Korea uh, playing up, but, you know, we're not... You know, there's no need for us to hunker down under our desks. Well, not 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 if you live in Australia, uh, no. But um, you know, not even if you live in India or something. But if you live in um, if you live in those areas, you know, of of uh, near China, uh, near South Korea, near Japan, even in Russia, you know, you would be worried. You would be kind of worried about that radiation if, if even if it was yours wasn't your war. Um, I guess that's the point, and and these these people are all pulled into um, to it pulled into um, uh, uh, treaties, U.S. treaties, alliance treaties, and things like that. So, like, no, no one's hunkering down under the desk, especially in South Korea, where they're quite norm normalized to it to the issue. But um, in effect, it's all a real possibility. It's always been building up. Um, is it building up to a grand crescendo? I don't know. But this is how they felt under the Cold War as well. Um, you know, the, the, every day you woke up and you thought, oh, is this is this going to be the end? Is this when, you know, the, the missiles fly? And, um, well, it never happened, did it? It never ended up eventuating. So, you know, is, is you know, North Korea, rogue state? I don't know. We, we just don't know. It's, 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 it feels it feels rational and strategic. Um, they're they're 
their actions and their and their posturing. Um, uh, but also these things could spiral out of control. Well, there's some people who say that the North Koreans, they must have a death wish with this, these provocative action. I mean, are they, you know, basically willing to, you know, blow up the, the world in their, in their effort to survive? I mean, what's this regime's, you know, line of, line of thinking? I mean, do they want, uh, you know, peaceful resolution as well? Well, Kind of as I mentioned before, Kim Jong-un is having a good life. He's living in a palace. He's having a good life. He's got a lot of servants and slaves and things. So he kind of doesn't want his world to end. He would much rather be um, living out and in in enjoying his uh, extended garden, which is called North Korea, than you know, doing a Gaddafi or a, or a bin Laden and hiding, hiding in bunkers. Uh, while American Patriot bombs and missiles uh, rain down on your head looking for you. Um, so, like, in that, in that sense, uh, the North Korean regime is, is aiming for survival. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it wants survival in, on its own terms, and that's what Trump is not giving it. Um, Trump is saying enough of your own terms because you're abusing your own terms. Your own terms have been let us have nukes, let us have capabilities to threaten the United States and its allies, and uh, and then we'll leave you in peace. While Trump's saying, well, I don't trust you. I don't trust you, North Korea, with that uh, capability. Uh, you know, therefore, now we have to sort this problem out. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, the regime is trying to achieve uh, survival in, in, a, in a certain sense. But it's trying to achieve survival on its own terms in, in accord with its geostrategic problems. Um, you know, the Danjong Shinju gap in the north is a huge, huge issue. And that's what China is obviously focusing on. The Himjian uh, Han River Valley has always been a huge problem. And you saw that in the 50s war when, uh, when, Nor- uh, when uh, the United States and South Korea pushed up you know, into the Yalu River, and then they got pushed almost all the way back by uh, by communist forces from China. So um, it, it's trying to play out its 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 own uh, agenda within its geographic uh, constraints, um, uh, but it's on its own terms, and uh, and the world is starting to get sick of what its terms are. Um, I think it still wants survival. I think it wants to survive. I don't think it. I think it knows that it could get rolled. It could get obliterated uh, by South Korean and, and 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 American forces if it was pushed to the edge. Um, so I think it. I think it wants survival, but it wants survival on its own terms. Let's turn to now the possibility of regime change because I think you know people of all political persuasions would, uh, you know, f- uh, feel, you know, much better about the world if, you know, North, the North Korean, you know, communist regime did not exist. I mean, could it safely be taken out? I mean, uh, do uh, South Korea, Japan and the United States, do they have, you know, missile defense systems in place that would uh, f- uh, try, uh, try and um, uh, f- neutralize any North Korean aggression? Okay, so it's kind of it's kind of a, a complex question. It's a good question, but it's a kind of complex. So, can North Korea be safely taken out? Well, safely um, hmm, depends. 
it all depends on China. That's all. It, we all just it all depends on China and and in a little way Russia, but it, mainly China, because China is North Korea's solid ally. They've been their strategic ally for decades now, and um, if China, which which it's been saying in the China Global Times has been saying we will not have any alteration of the uh, Korean Peninsula, well, um, you know, then that's an indication, at least to Washington, that, you know, uh, China will step in to attack um, any aggressor that tries to change, you know, the strategic persuasion of the Korean Peninsula. So let's say Washington tried to, you know, Washington and Seoul advanced and tried to do a preemptive strike um, on, say, some nuclear facilities. Um, it, it, it depends. North Korea will fight back. North Korea probably destroys Seoul. We'd probably have a, um, you know, uh, the stock markets and things would crash. Um, that, that, you know, it would be a worldwide... Uh, it'd be, it's, it's, it's lucky that... It's lucky that um, that North Korea is so disconnected from the world economy, but at the same time, they would have assets like uh, very assets in place to try and disrupt trade, which would be a sort of interesting um, experiment. Um, But in terms of, um, in terms of uh, safely taken out, it's, it's, I think North Korea's quantitative advantage in terms of its military, which it has a quantitative advantage, um, would 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 slowly deplete. Um, so a preemptive strike may or may not work. It, I think it would probably be a better option, but it depends again on China because if China steps in and defends North Korea, then you get sort of a world war scenario because then all of a sudden once China steps in, Russia has to decide to step in on whose side. Does it step in with the United States? Does it say neutral? Does it step in with China? Against the United States because of the Ukraine, because of uh, because of ongoing tensions in the Balkans, uh, because of un- uh, you know uh, ongoing tensions uh, 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 in Europe, um, in the Black Sea, for example, with with Turkey, um, and it's you know Russia has ex- you know uh, 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 you know trying to expand its military presence in the Black Sea, and and through that Turkey is being uh, you know given arms and and. Given financing by Washington to uh, to to sort of halt that and stop that, so you know that's annoying Russia on that side. So would Russia jump in with China? Uh, I'm not so sure. So it's up to China really whether it's a safe because because overall North Korea can be can be taken out. I think I think I think they have the information. Um, North Korea is, is, is technology is, is it's it's severely. Uh, it's it, it, you know it's 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 not the best, um, but I also think that um, it's up to China really. I mean that's that's the really big question, and that's the only really question that we have to ask because China is their ally. China doesn't want change on the Korean Peninsula, but it could be sort of quote unquote safely taken out if China doesn't do anything. Um, what type of missile defenses? I think that was the second part of your question. Well, <laughs> they've got the THAAD moving in. Um, the the the, the uh, THAAD missile system is is a very high tech system, but it's not 100% uh, proof. We we aren't there doesn't really exist a, um, a missile defense system that can really take out um, 
you know, missiles. Uh, it, we may or may not have them demonstrated by now. Um, I know there's a lot of satellite tech coming up um, that, you know, that potentially could be unveiled if a potential uh, war broke out. Um, the other thing that they've been proposed um, is moving the Israeli uh, Iron Dome um, because of the rocket launches in North Korea. So North Korea has a lot of uh, Soviet rocket launches and things like that. Um, and they have been proposals by by the Pentagon that they should move uh, a replica of the Iron Dome that they you know used to shoot down po- Palestinian rockets and things. <coughs> um, uh, so that that could be an interesting uh, addition to the uh, the missile defense system. Uh, going back to China, I mean, would they really want to create a world war just over this you know tiny uh, uh, tiny uh, nation? And, and also the fact, I mean, if they if they went into a war war like they, wouldn't that make them you know an international pariah? You're defending you know, the most repressive regime on the planet. I mean. You know whose whose side is the international community going to take? Absolutely, and it's fantastic points. So we 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 saw some uh, we saw some interesting maneuvers last uh, two weeks ago, where Xi Jinping was actually up in uh, in Mongolia, marching his army up and down, uh, parading them around, and it's because he's showing off the world that he can secure his back flank. Uh, um, you know, recently uh, we've had. Tensions between China and India in the uh, the mountains again, um, uh, you know that that's that's been heating up. Uh, uh, basically, both <laughs> both sides have claimed victory over in the Himalayan mountains. Um, but what I think China's main focus on is doing is soft power, and I think this gets at your point. And I think it's true. Uh, they're trying to build the One Belt Run Road project. Uh, they think that's a very important step to opening up their soft power potential. And, you know, sacrificing North Korea, um, you know, the Korean peninsula for the wider world, um, you know, which runs into, into Asia, um, it might actually be time to do that. You know, North Korea might be the sacrificial lamb that they have to have to uh, uh, have to kill in order to get, you know, open China up into a new order, into a new sort of new sort of birth and new China. Um if they do defend North Korea, just because of the South Korean Peninsula, because of the Korean Peninsula, I mean, um, like you say, what does that say about China? Uh, well, one thing it says about China on an international diplomatic level, it says that China sticks to its obligations as a superpower, as a power, um, sticking to its allies. But on the other hand, it loses its credibility as a, as a, as a. Uh, it, it, it sort of stands out as a very selfish entity. And, and, and Xi Jinping, uh, we've got the 19th uh, Congress coming up, the People's Party Congress coming up. Um, and, you know, Xi Jinping, uh, internally, he's, he's rallied uh, the police, the, uh, the police, the, the army chiefs, uh, the, the military, um, and he's rallied, um, you know, the, the municipal uh, governments to him. Uh, the only, the only, uh, the only, the only p- parts of uh, the the government that he hasn't rallied to his cause at the moment has been the financial elements, um, the state back- banks of China and things like that, because mostly those elements are being controlled by the billionaires who are all trying to get their money out of you know China through Macau and stuff like that. So um, 
we, I mean, this this 19th Party Congress is going to be extremely important for Xi Jinping um, because if he fails, he, he will basically die um, because he will be facing a, a, a hostile government. Um, you know, a government because you have basically two governments in China running right now, both being run out of Beijing. Um, well, essentially kind of three governments, like you've got Taiwan, which wants to, well, which still says it's the government, and you've got uh, Xi Jinping's government, and then you have the older government, um, which is the hanger-on, which is which is which is why he's been going on this quote-unquote corruption drive. Now, Xi Jinping is is the old government in Beijing is very pro North Korea, still has a lot of power, but it's reduced now down to uh, the financial ministers and billionaires. You know the billionaires that are in China, and they want to win this. If they win this uh, 19th Party Congress and they, and they flip the military police and municipal government control from Xi Jinping, then Xi Jinping will be ousted. He will probably be put to death in some sort of way. And um, then you will have the backing of North Korea to the hilt. If, if Xi Jinping can hang on politically, if he can control, I think we will see North Korea be let go um, because Xi Jinping is very much about um, – giving China a lot of soft power. He's about opening up China to the world in terms of trade. He's up he's he's all about the One Belt Run Road project, which is his big which is his big project. Um, you know, he really wants to build uh he, he really wants to, you know, build down into Vietnam. He wants to expand down into Vietnam, down into Myanmar, um, and stuff like this. The old government doesn't want to. The old government wants to uh you know, it wants to go into uh, Middle Asia, you know, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, uh, Uzbekistan. He wants to go up there. So the, the, these two governments are fighting themselves and it's going to come to heads in this 19th Party Congress. So I think it depends. We, we'll have to watch and wait and see if, if Xi Jinping holds on. I think North Korea can start will start to separate and be on its own if, if the old government uh, if, if if the old government usurps uh, Xi Jinping's authority, and, uh, I think we'll see a, a a stronger North Korea policy coming out of Beijing. Well, let's uh, say, for example, that the nuclear threat from North Korea is isolated, along with the threat from China. Uh, what would regime change look like in North Korea? I mean, uh, would it be more successful than you know the attempts at regime change uh, in the Middle East? <laughs> well, I was thinking uh, uh, the the it was success success. In, uh, all right, so I don't know how successful the regime changes in the Middle East have exactly been um, from a strategic point, morals. I don't know. Um, you know, like regime changes in the Middle East go right back to Iran in the fifties. I mean, uh, uh, you know, with the oil, uh, you know, uh, we've we've seen we've seen multiple. Uh, uh, regime changes in the Middle East, especially from the United States, Iran, Iraq, Syria, uh, Yemen, Libya, um, Egypt with the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, you know, we've seen more. But um, Algeria, I think. But um, so I, I don't know. Like it didn't, it didn't end up well for the people in Libya and it's not ending up well for the people in Egypt. Um, but um, it, it depends because if you if – you, <sighs> If you think of North Korea, if you think about their, uh, it, it depends on the leader dynamic. See, this is where constructivism comes in, I guess. It, 
if we get if we get if we if if there was an invasion, it would be a South Korean U.S. Um, you know, sort of run North Korea now, which would be United Korea. And so re- regime change, if China stayed out, would would look like a you know you would op- you would see an opening up, you would see free markets, you would very quickly see McDonald's, and you would kind of see like what happened to Japan when they were when they were occupied. You know, you, if Kim Jong Un magically somehow survived, you know, they might make him king and give him no power, for example. Um, this is this is a this is a precedent that was seen, you know, in Japan with the with the king. Um, so regime change in terms of North Korea could uh, could 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 look quite could look quite um, could look quite good in terms of you know opening up of markets, um, delivering you know freedoms to the people and stuff like that. But it would be under a South Korean United States sort of doctrine, sort of sort of uh, conscious um but if it was a natural change so say he got assassinated either by someone within the international community or by someone within north korea it 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 really depends on who who's underneath i mean i know that sounds kind of like whatever but it it depends on who you know takes that power because that's a lot of power and if you're not you know sort of ready for it um you could end up doing something brash, or you could you could be the other way. Um, if it was a peasant, for example, uh, I think this you know this might be obvious, but he might he might open up the country up, and you might have a peaceful transition. If it was a military general, because there's a lot of them surrounding uh, the Kim family, they're all connected. Um, you know, then you might have a more aggressive North Korea. Um, you know, uh, if that if that's even possible. Um, I one thing I do know about um, regime change is that. When uh, when the when the Kim family was trying to first establish um, uh, North Korean uh, n- n- you know nuclear science, uh, they relied a lot on smugglers, um, especially uh, from Syria and stuff like that, uh, and Pakistan with the uh, 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 you know from Pakistan and from Syria. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. I just forgot the guy's name. Um, Atu Khan, for example, uh, he, he's a he's a well-known hero in Pakistan. Um, for 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 leaking secrets out of Germany and uh, and 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 English uh, universities, um, and you know a lot of those people have a lot of those smuggling contingents have spiraled up internally within the uh, within the Korean uh, you know within Korean politics and are quite close to uh, the 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 uh, president. Well, um, yeah. So um, you know, so there's this weird. Smuggling contingent, which which has a lot of power as well. Um, so Korean, like Korean regime change, uh, and he has he has no wife and he has no son and he has no no daughter even. He has no children and no wife. So so you know there's no lineage. There's no one he's going to pass it on to if he if he if if they killed him today. So you know regime change looks a little unstable. Um, if it was an invasion. Um, I'm sure North Korea would probably lose, and it would be a South Korean, United States sort of, you know, free market McDonald's, Hollywood, you know, uh, you saw that that young girl complaining about then being no Hollywood. That that video went viral, um, you know. So it'd be an Americana type, um, you know, Western, ex, ex, you know, expansion regime change, um, kind of like you've seen in Iraq, uh, or if it was internal. 
it really could go anywhere. It could go to the military. It could go to the people. Um, it could go to these smuggling contingents. It could go to you know one of a, a strong uh, strong um, uh, uh, one of the strong ministers, for example. I've had the minister of labor is a is a very liked uh, person. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. It depends on the scenario, really. Well, it remains to be seen how this uh, crisis will play out, but thank you for your, your insights, Steele, and we'll continue to monitor this situation closely at The Unshackled. Fantastic, and thanks for having me on. All right, everybody, that's the show for today. Another reminder that the first ever Liberty Fest is coming up on Brisbane on Saturday the 14th of October 2017, which uh, The Unshackled is a sponsor of and will be present at. It is hosted by our good friends at Liberty Works, and you can get a 20% discount on tickets by visiting libertyfest.org.au using the coupon code LFUNSHACK, all caps. Thanks once again for your company, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Unshackled Waves. Please visit theunshackledwaves.net for all the ways to subscribe and follow the show. Don't forget to pick up your free ebook at theunshackledbattlefield.net and keep checking out theunshackled.net for all the latest news and commentary.